In this video, we are going over point categories, specifically five shoe transport points, yuan source points, shi clef points, and luo connecting points. These are also sometimes collectively known as the antique points. So this video was originally broadcast as a live stream, so I've taken that recording and edited it down a little bit, but it's still pretty long, so I'll put some time codes in the description below, and also in that description I'll have links to the lecture slides if you want to follow along, and there's a practice test that you can take afterwards. And as always, special thank you to the Patreon members for supporting this YouTube channel and the website tcmstudy.net. So if you find these videos helpful, valuable, and you want to give something back, consider joining the Patreon. But let's get on to the video about point categories. So again, we're talking about five, um, these types of points, five shoe transport points, yuan source points, shi clef points, low connecting points, and lower he C points. So before we start talking about the points, we should probably mention a couple things. First of all, we should ask ourselves, why are we learning this? And this is kind of funny. Sometimes in class I would ask students, why do, I, why do we bother learning this? And a lot of times they'd be like, because Chinese medicine teachers are mean and they like to make us memorize things. And yes, that might be true, but in this case, learning point categories is actually there to make it easier to learn the points. I mean, think of it this way. There are 361 points on the 14 channels. After that, we learn like 40 extraordinary points, so like 400 points in total, but 361 main points. If you try to memorize the functions and indications of all of the points, you're going to have a hard time. So instead, we divide these points into categories. So if we say... Uh, each of the 12 channels has a she clef point. I know that she clef points treat acute conditions and pain. Now I know the functions and indications of 12 points. So it's like 12 down, 349 to go. So that's kind of the point here is that learning these point categories is actually supposed to make it easier to remember the point functions. It also gives us kind of a way to prioritize the points. I mean, like not all points are equal. So if you go and ask uh, an experienced practitioner, how often do you needle LI4? Well, it's like they needle LI4 like multiple times a day. But if you go and ask someone, how often do you needle stomach 16? It's like maybe once a year. So the categories can kind of give us a way to prioritize the points because if a point has a category, then it probably means it's a big point and it's something that we really need to know. If we have other points that don't really have categories, then maybe we don't use them so much. The other thing we should say is before we do this, we should admit that what we're doing here is kind of weird. Because if you're going through a, a points curriculum, like a points one class, basically we start out by talking about the characteristics of the channels when you don't actually know any channels. And so now what we're doing is we're talking about the functions of the point categories when you don't actually know any points. So if we're going through this and it's like, this seems really weird, this is really confusing, I don't get it, I don't get how this is useful, that's okay. Hopefully once we get into the actual points, then a lot of this stuff will make a lot more sense. So when we talk about point categories, basically it's like we have two different types of point categories. There are some point categories that exist on every channel. 
And that's what we're talking about today. So when we talk about five shoe transport points, there are five shoe transport points on each of the 12 channels. When we talk about she cleft points, there's a she cleft point of the lung, she cleft point of the large intestine, she cleft point of the stomach, she cleft point of the spleen, and so on. So these are points that exist on every channel, and usually their function has something to do with how the chi is flowing along that channel. Contrast this, we have another type of point category that they're really just collections of points. That they're either somebody came up with a group of points that they thought were cool, or there's a group of points that do similar things and we just kind of group them together but they don't necessarily exist on every channel. So when we talk about things like the eight-way meeting points, it's not like there's eight-way meeting points on every channel. There's not an eight-way meeting point of the lung, no eight-way meeting point of the large intestine. That's just a group of points we put together that are spread throughout the body that affect the different tissues, the, the bones, the blood, the sinews, things like that. Or when we talk about the Ma Dong Yang heavenly star points, it's not like those exist on every channel. That's just a group of points that this guy thought these are the most important points that you should know. So we group them together and we call them the Ma Yang Heavenly Star Points. So what we're going to be going over today are the first type. These are point categories that exist on every channel. And a lot of times their function is related to how the chi is flowing at that particular point along the channel. So... We look over these point categories. Say acupuncture points are grouped into categories based on their common function. And so this is what helps us out in terms of remembering the functions of these 361 points. We put them into groups to make them easier to remember. And then this is what we were saying before. Certain point categories have a point on every channel. So each of the 12 channels has the five shoe transport points. Each of the 12 channels has a yuan source point, little connecting point, shi cleft point, and so on. These exist on all the channels. Whereas there are other categories that are just kind of collections of points. So when we talk about front mu and back shoe points, there's... There's not one on each channel. They're kind of spread all over the body. When we talk about the Hui meeting points, there are eight points that are spread all over the body. Sun Sun Yao ghost points, Ma Dang Yang heavenly star points, window of heaven points. It's not like every channel has a window of heaven. They're just a group of points across the neck. So those are more spread across other channels. We're going to be talking about the first one, the categories that exist on every channel. So the first group we're looking at is the five shoe transport points. This is probably the, maybe the most important, but also the most complicated and the weirdest to understand, five shoe transport points. So again, when we say the five shoe transport points, we mean that these are points that exist on every channel. The lung channel has five shoe transport points. The large intestine channel has five shoe transport points. The stomach channel has five shoe transport points. And the way this works is we're creating this image where if we think about the channels starting at the tips of the fingers and moving towards the trunk or starting at the tips of the toes and moving up the leg towards the trunk, where the channel starts at the tips of the fingers and toes, the channel is very superficial and very narrow. But then as it travels up the arm, it gets wider and deeper and wider and deeper and wider and deeper until it gets to the elbow. And then it's very wide and deep indeed. And after that, 
kind of plunges deeply and you just get this ocean of chi where the channels kind of lose their distinction once they get to the trunk. But what we're saying is each channel has this progression up the arm or the leg and because the chi is flowing in a certain way, the points have a certain function. So, th so at this point, you, sh you should be saying, wait a minute, you're saying that the channels start at the tips of the finger and move for towards the trunk. I thought we said that the channels go chest to hand, hand to face, face to foot, and foot back to chest. So some of the channels start at the chest and go down the arm. Some of the channels start at the fingertips and go up towards the chest. Now you're suddenly telling me that all the channels start at the fingertips and the tips of the toes and they go towards the trunk? What's going on here? And the answer is, yes, that's true. Welcome to Chinese medicine. Um, so it turns out we have these two different viewpoints of the way the channels work. One is that the channels flow in this continuous circuit, uh, chest to hand, hand to face, face to foot, foot to chest. Another view is we can just say that all the channels start at the tips of the fingers, move up towards the trunk, or they start at the tips of the toes, move up the leg towards the trunk. And how do we reconcile this? Well, it turns out this is like different chapters of the non of the Neijing said different things. And so I guess one way we could resolve this is if you look in your Wang Juyi, he has a discussion about this where he's saying, when you go chest to hand, hand to face, face to foot, foot to chest, we're talking about the flow of nutritive qi flowing through the channels. When you talk about the channels starting at the fingertips and growing up towards the elbow, we're not necessarily talking about the literal flow of qi. We're talking about the way the channel develops. We're talking about the development of function. And so if that sounds weird, that's okay. If you want, you can go read about that more in Wang Juyi. Or we can just say, this is Chinese medicine. We're allowed to say two different things, and both things are true at the same time. And that's just part of our uh, TCM theory is so that we can do that. But anyway, what we're saying is at the tips of the fingers and tips of the toes, the channel is very narrow and superficial. And as it moves towards the elbow, it gets wider and deeper and wider and deeper. And so we can make certain statements about how the points act depending on where they are in that flow. And when we talk about qi and the channels, one of the common analogies we use is water. And so that's what we're doing here with the channels. We say like when the water starts out up in the mountain, it starts as like a little bubbling spring with just uh, little drips of water coming out. But then as it goes down the mountain, it forms into a little creek, which is kind of narrow and shallow. But then that creek eventually turns into a stream. The stream turns into a river that's moving very swiftly. And eventually all rivers meet the ocean. All rivers meet the sea. And we just have this big ocean of chi in the trunk. So that's kind of the image that we're using here. We're saying at the tip of the finger, it's like a well. We call it the Jing well point. As it moves down, it turns into a spring. As it keeps moving, it turns into a stream. Then it turns into a river. And finally, it turns into a sea and it plunges deeply and joins this ocean of qi. So that's kind of the image we're using as the channel goes up the arm towards the elbow or as the channel goes up the leg towards the knee, that it gets wider and deeper. And so we just name certain points along that flow. Jing well, Ying spring, Shu stream, Jing river, He si. And so basically we, the, this flow is described in the classics. We say at the well points, the qi flows out 
At the spring points, it slips and glides. At the stream points, it pours. At the river points, it moves. And at the sea points, it enters. When we say it enters, we're saying it's entering deeply into the body. So that's what we said in the Ling Shu. Uh, the the Nanjing says something similar, but it slightly reinterprets it. Where the qi appears, where it gushes forth, is the wells. Where it flows as a spring, where it rushes down as the streams, where it proceeds is the rivers, and where it disappears or dives deep is the confluences or the seas. And so I think um, the, one of these was translated by Unchul, the other one might have been translated by Deadman. So these are different translations, but we say kind of the same thing in these classics, that as the channel progresses, it gets wider and deeper, the way the chi is flowing changes. And based on how the chi is flowing, whether it's slipping and gliding or proceeding or diving deep, depending on how the chi is flowing, that means when we needle those points, it's going to have a different effect on the body. And so that's what we're talking about with these five shoe transport points. So we can say the five shoe transport points describe the energy action of the chi as it flows through each of the 12 channels from fingertip to elbow or from the tips of the toes to the knee. I'm gonna have problems with my keyboard. Needling these points can affect the flow through the channel and, we can and so we can treat certain uh, diseases or conditions basically based on how the chi is flowing at that particular point along the channel. And so we name each of these points uh, Jing Well, Ying Spring, Shu Stream, Jing River, and He Si. I think these are the common translations that we see in Deadman and Machiocha. Sometimes you do see some different translations. So um, I know an older copy of Unshold in his Nanjing, he calls it the wells, the brooks, the rapids, the streams, and the confluences. So this is just one of those annoying things that... Um, different books will translate Chinese terms differently. And that's just something we kind of have to put up with when we're um, dealing with uh, Chinese medicine in English. And so I think it's easier just to use the Chinese names. And so we say Jing Well, Ying Spring, Shu Stream, Jing River, He Si. And just kind of side note, um, Si is actually not a very good translation of He. He does mean more like confluence, but nobody actually uses that word in English. A confluence is where two rivers join together, which is kind of like a sea. So if you see the confluences, that's why I think most people just say He Si. So let's go through the actions, um, the characteristics and the actions of each of these points. So we start with the Jing Well points. So, so the Jing Well points are located on the tips of the fingers or the tips of the toes. And so again, this is where the channel starts. It's where the channel is very narrow and very superficial. It's right at the surface. And you can even see when you, when you press near the, the fingernail, the skin is not very deep. You can't press in very far versus if you press in the elbow, you got a lot of meat here. Here you can kind of feel that the channel's got to be pretty narrow and pretty superficial. And so because it's the tips of the fingers and the tips of the toes, it's either going to be the first point on the channel, according to our numbers, or it's going to be the last point on the channel. So since the lung goes from chest to hand, it's going to be lung 11 is the Jingwell point. Large intestine channel goes from 
uh, hand to face, so it's going to be large intestine one. So it's either, when we look at the numbers, it's either the first point or the last point, but they're usually on the tips of the toes and the tips of the fingers. And like we said, the chi is flowing in a certain way at these points. So at the, at the wells, the chi emerges. It's like the water is popping up out of the ground. The chi is popping up uh, out of the channel. The chi emerges, it emanates, it appears, or it flows out. So it's like a starting point. So this is the point where the channel is thinnest and most superficial. It's where the chi changes polarity. When we say polarity, we mean from yin to yang. So because it's the first or last point, it's where the lung is turning into the large intestine, so it's going from yin to yang. Or where the uh, stomach is turning into the spleen, it's going from yang to yin. So these are the points, because they're the first or last point, the qi is changing polarity from yin to yang. Needling these points can have a quick and dramatic effect, because it's where the qi is emerging, it's where the polarity changes happen, so we have a quick effect here. So usually when I say this, people will then ask the question, well then why, like, why would you not want a quick effect? If, if the Jing wells have a quick and dramatic effect, shouldn't you always needle the Jing wells? Because people want to get better as quickly as possible. And really what we mean by this is having a quick and dramatic effect. This applies to we can quickly clear excess from the body, and that's something we can do quickly. So if a person has a lot of excess heat, we can prick the bleed a jing well and it very quickly drain out that excess heat. Whereas if you have a person coming in with digestion problems due to spleen qi deficiency, you can't really address that situation quickly. There's no quick way to tonify qi. If a person has kidney essence deficiency, you can't really quickly tonify kidney essence. That's something that takes time. So when we say a quick dramatic effect, we're quickly clearing excess. So say a person has strep throat, they have this red, swollen, sore, their throat is on fire. We can prick the bleed and we can very quickly clear out that heat and they can get some immediate symptom, uh, some immediate relief of those symptoms. So that's what we mean when we say a quick and dramatic effect. So because of, because of the nature of the channel, because of the nature of the way the chi is flowing, we can make certain generalizations about how these points will act when we needle them or what effect they'll have on the body when we needle them. So applications, the Jingwell points clear heat, like we said, click quickly clearing things, specifically excess and heat. They can also restore consciousness and rescue a person from collapse. So if a person is you know, yang collapse or qi collapse or a person has fallen unconscious, because of this change in polarity, we can kneel these points and that will kind of hit the reset button and will cause them to wake up. So again, this is one of those things where it's like technically in the classics, this was listed as a function of the Jingwell points. In modern practice, if a person is unconscious, don't needle their Jingwell points. If a person is, has collapsed and has fallen unconscious, call 911. Don't stick needles in people without their consent. But this is something that we will see when we start looking at the point functions is pretty much every Jingwell uh, point will list this function of revives consciousness or restores consciousness. So that has to do with uh, the superficial nature and the change of polarity. Jingwell points often treat the uppermost end of the channel. And so basically the opposite end, it's, it's usually stuff in the face. So these points are located on the tips of the fingers, but they treat things in the head and face. Or these points are located on the tips of the toes, they treat things at the upper end of the channel. So that's why we'll see things like uh, Jingwell point of the lung channel will treat 
throat things because that's the upper end of the channel. Jingwell points on the stomach channel will treat things in the face because that's the upper end of the channel. So we're treating the opposite end of the channel with these Jingwell points. They also treat fullness below the heart. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means later. And they can treat disorders of the spirit. And this is maybe related to um, clearing heat, clearing excess. If a person has a lot of excess heat, that can cause some shen disturbance. If the person has collapsed or fallen unconscious, we consider that shen disturbance. So when we say treat disorders of the spirit, that's kind of related to those other functions of clearing heat, clearing excess. So those are the, the wells, the Jing well points. Next, after that, we move up. The, we start at the Jing Wells, where the channel is very superficial, very narrow. As we proceed up the channel, it gets a little bit wider and a little bit deeper. And those are, at that point, we call it a spring. So the Ying spring points are usually the second point on the channel, or the second to last point on the channel, depending on how the numbering system goes. And they're usually distal to the metacarpophalangeal joint. So it's like if you have the knuckles, they're usually just distal to the knuckles. Or on your feet, you have the feet knuckles. They're usually just distal to that. Um, or sometimes they're along the palm. But basically, they're the second point or the second to last point along the channel. And here we say the energetic action is the qi slips, glides, flows. The qi is swift. So it starts, it's just kind of bubbling out of well, and now it's starting to pick up some speed and get deeper. And so these points can also be fairly quick and dramatic because we're still kind of near that polarity shift. And they're especially good at clearing heat. So that's going to be one of our main functions of the Ying spring points is they clear heat. We also say, uh, according to the Neijing, they treat changes in color and changes of complexion. And I think maybe we can actually just relate this back to saying they clear heat. So when we say uh, diseases that manifest as a change in the complexion, basically if you have a lot of heat, your face is going to turn red. Ying spring points clear heat. So that's, that's kind of what we're saying here. We also say they treat diseases of the yang channels and the yin organs. And remember here we make a differentiation between the channel and the organ. So if... A person has tennis elbow, that's a problem of the yang ming large intestine channel. If a person has explosive diarrhea with foul-smelling stool that burns the anus, that person probably has a problem of the large intestine organ. So we can differentiate those. So sometimes we'll see this come up. So these yin spring points on the yang channels, they treat the channels. On yin, they treat the organs. And that might be something we can we can discuss a little bit later. I would say the main thing to remember here is ying spring points think they clear heat. After that, we started at the wells. It got a little bit wider and deeper and became the springs. Then it gets a little bit wider and deeper and becomes the streams. So we say the shoe stream points. So these are usually the third point along the channel, the third point or the third to last point. The one exception to this is the gallbladder channel, and that's just the gallbladder channel is weird on the foot, so don't worry about that too much. Usually shoe stream points are at the third point along the channel, and so that's usually just means it's going to be on the proximal side of the knuckle or the proximal side of your foot-toe knuckles. But it's the third point or the third to last point. And here we say the chi pours, the chi rushes down. And so at this point, the flow is 
there's a greater flow and it becomes deeper, the channel is able to transport things along with it. That's why we say shoe stream, the word shoe actually means transport. So it's able to transport things along with it. That's why it has a name where uh, exterior pathog pathogens get transported deeper in the body. And this is also where the Wei Qi gathers. So that's kind of a thing that gets mentioned in Machi Ocho where he says um, pathogens get transported deeper in the body. This is where the Wei Qi gathers. And so that's kind of an interesting fact, and that may come up on a test. I've seen some people ask questions about that, about where does the Wei Qi gather? Well, it gathers at the shoestring points. Honestly, I'm not sure if that has a lot of clinical application. That when we start looking at the point functions, the fact that the shoestring points are where the Wei Qi gathers, that doesn't really come up when we start looking at point functions. Um, when... Um, in terms of treatment principles, I've never seen anybody say, oh, this is where the Wei Qi gathers, things are getting transported, we better needle right there. I haven't actually seen that come up in point combinations, point functions, point indications. So it's something to keep in mind, but in terms of the applications, I'm not sure that that comes up a whole lot. What we do want to say is that the shoestring points treat heaviness in the body and pain in the joints. So what does that sound like? That sounds like dampness. When a person has dampness, their body feels heavy. Uh, pain in the joints, maybe you haven't heard of this, but we have a thing called B syndrome, which is like arthritis type pain. And that's a wind cold damp pathogen is in the joints and is causing pain in the joints. So when you see heaviness in the body and pain in the joints, that's like dampness for shoestring points. And here we say disorders of the yang channels and the yin organs. I think that's similar to before. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not sure that comes up a whole lot. And then we say diseases manifesting intermittently. And I think this usually refers to malaria. And I think back in the day, treating malaria was a big deal. I'm not sure that we treat a whole lot of malaria with acupuncture anymore. So in terms of shoe stream points, the thing that I would remember is heaviness in the body and pain in the joints. And that has to do with dampness. After that is Jing River Point. So we started at Jing Well. Uh, the channel started out very narrow and superficial. As it goes down the arm, it gets wider and deeper. It gets wider and deeper to the shoe streams. And now we're at the Jing River Points. And so the Jing River Points are the kind of annoying ones that you have to memorize. That the, the wells are the first or last point. The springs, the Jingwo, Ying Springs are the second point. The Shu Streams are the third point. Jing River, it's not necessarily the fourth point. It could be the fourth, fifth, sixth. It could, it's pretty much anywhere in here could be the Jing River point. So this one, you kind of just have to memorize. And that's why we don't really like Jing River points because we just have to memorize their location. There's not a pattern to it like there is with the other channels. So here the qi flows like a current. So here it's a river, it's pretty wide, it's pretty deep, and it's moving along pretty good. It flows like a current. At this point the channel is bigger, wider, and deeper. Exterior pathogens are deviated towards the joints, bones, and sinews. Hence the term jing means to pass through. Jing, I think this is actually the same character as channel, means to pass through. And so again, here we're saying um, external pathogens are deviated towards the joints. Why would this happen? Because we don't want external pathogens to go to the organs. If you have an external wind, heat, wind, cold, 
We don't want it getting into the organs. That's really bad. So at the Jing River points, we can deviate it and push it into the joints rather than hitting the organs and causing serious problems. But again, this is something that we say uh, according, to the, according to the theory, this is true. Again, I'm not sure that this comes up clinically. I've never, when, you, when we go through Deadman and go through the point functions, I've never seen a point function where a Jing River point is being used to push the pathogen, push an external pathogen into the joints. So again, it's kind of an interesting thing, an interesting concept, but if you don't see that coming up clinically or if you don't see that coming up in the point functions, I wouldn't be too worried about it. But in terms of the actions of these points, these points are good for cough, shortness in breath, and fever and chills. So cough, shortness in breath, that sounds like a lung thing. Fever and chills, that sounds like an external attack, which is also a lung thing. So it's kind of like these Jing River points are treating lung things. And so cough, shortness of breath, fever and chills. We also talk about diseases manifesting as a change in the patient's voice. And again, you can kind of think about this as like, cough and shortness of breath. If a person starts to get sick, they start to feel really hoarse and there will be a change in the voice. Sometimes we mean other things. This can also mean like shen disturbance can cause a change in the voice. But maybe an easy way to think about it for now is if a person, if their lungs are being attacked, they have cough, shortness and breath and they have, they have, they're sick, they have a fever, they're probably going to have a change in their voice too. They're going to get hoarse and scratchy. So that's what we mean when we say uh, the voice. And also diseases of the sinews and bones. So that's something we'll kind of see when we look at the point functions as well. Sometimes these Jing River points are good for, again, stuff going on with the tendons and bones and joint type of stuff. So that's another thing we'll see with Jing River points as well. After that, we get to the C points. So these ones are located on the elbow. The channel started out very narrow and superficial. As it moves up the arm, it gets wider and deeper and wider and deeper. And eventually when it gets to the elbow, it gets wide and deep indeed. The river joins the sea. And so we say the Hu Sea points, or we say the confluences. A confluence is where two rivers meet to form a larger body of water. So that's what's going on here at the Hu Sea points. These are uh, the, the rivers are meeting. And so, so these are pretty much all located near the elbow or knee. I think the confusing one maybe is like stomach 36. But anyway, these are all near the elbow or knee. And here we say the chi disappears. What do we mean the chi disappears? It's not that it vanishes. It's that it's diving deeper into the body so we no longer see it. It's like a little, uh, in Colorado we have uh, prairie dogs. It's like a little prairie dog is jumping into its hole and it disappears. It didn't actually vanish. It's just going deeper into the system. It enters inward, goes deep, is what we mean when we say disappears. So at this point, the channel is vast and deep. The chi comes together and joins the general circulation of the body, like a river joining the sea. The effect of these points are not as dynamic as the Jingwell points, but it reaches a deeper level. So again, when we talked about the Jingwell points, they said we said they have a quick dramatic effect because they're very narrow, superficial. The uh, chi is changing polarity from yin to yang. So they have a very quick dramatic effect we can't have a very deep effect. They can have a quick dramatic effect on the upper end of the channel. So if you want to clear heat out of the face, they can have a very quickly clear out that heat. 
but they can't affect things at the deep level. If we have a person with spleen qi deficiency, then we might go to the he C points because that can affect that at the deep level. If we have a person with um, yin deficiency, blood deficiency, or things that are happening deep in the body, we're probably going to needle into these he C points to have an effect deeper in the body. And we can kind of see that based on the tissues as well, where it's like, in a Jing Well point, you can't needle very deep. There's not a lot of tissue there. You have, you have to needle superficial at the Jing Well points. When you get to the elbow, you have a lot more meat there. So you can actually needle deeper into the body because there's more tissue, and it will have a deeper effect in the body as well. So that's what we're doing with the Hu Si points. So Hu Si points are good for rebellious qi. So think about uh, rebellious lung qi, cough, things like that. Rebellious stomach qi, nausea, vomiting. They're also good for diarrhea and disorders of irregular eating. So qi is coming up, cough, wheezing, nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea is like the qi is sinking down, and disorders of uh, irregular eating. These also treat disorders of the yang organs. And so this is something we were talking about before, the difference between the channels and the organs when, when our other points uh, treated the yang channels but the yin organs, here we're treating the yang organs. So these treat diseases of the yang organs, the fu, and there are going to be a couple exceptions to that which we're going to bring up later when we talk about the lower he C points. But that's a little bit weird, we'll talk about that later. But again, here we're having a deeper effect on the body and that means we're treating things at the organ level because these are deeper points. We can also talk about these um, on the yang channels. They treat diseases of the skin. I think they call it the yang of the yang, and so that means the surface of the skin. Again, that comes up sometimes, not always. The thing I would really remember is rebellious qi, diarrhea, and disorders of irregular eating. I think that's an important one. So how do we remember the functions of all these points? Because that was a lot of information on all those slides. What's an easy way to remember that? Well, when I was in school, we had a mnemonic device that we used. Most sane families are against insects. So this is one that I learned in school. I'm not sure who came up with it. It was just my teacher or if, if it existed before that. Um, I always thought it was kind of funny because like most sane families are against insects. That just sounds kind of weird. Uh, later, I, I talked to one of my teachers and he was like, yeah, when I was in school, it was most sane families are against incest. Uh, but it turns out that wasn't a very nice thing to say, and so they thought to make, to make it a little bit more family-friendly, they said they changed incest to insects. So you can do either one. Most sane families are against incest, or most sane families are against insects. Because, I mean, when, like, when you look at the mnemonic devices for the cranial nerve, they're, they're like quite dirty. So th this one is at least a little bit nicer. So, or I've had somebody suggested most sane families are actually insane. I think that's another good one. But yeah, anyway, basically a mnemonic device is we're just looking at the first letters of each word to help us remind, uh, to remind ourselves what these points do. So we divide it up like this, most sane. We say most sane, MS, stands for most superficial. So this can remind us that the Jingwell points are the most superficial, and that means they have a very quick and dramatic effect when we needle them. And they can treat the upper end of the channel because they're the most superficial. We say families, family, uh, the F means fire. So the Jingwell points, or sorry, the Ying spring points, clear heat. 
So families means fire, fire means heat. The Ying spring points are good for clearing heat. R means arthritis. So when we get to the shoe stream points, remember we said they're good for pain in the joints or heaviness on the body. Pain in the joints is like B syndrome. We kind of say that's kind of like arthritis. So R can remind you of arthritis and that can maybe help you remember that shoe stream points treat pain in the joints, but also heaviness in the body. Again, we have two A's. The first, the first R has an AR, arthritis has an AR. Here against means asthma. So remember that the Jing River points treat cough and shortness of breath. And so A, asthma can remind you of cough, wheezing, shortness of breath. Insects or incest or uh, insane, uh, the I-N means intestines. So you can remember that um, the he C points treat intestinal things like diarrhea. We just also have to remember on top of that, they're good for rebellious qi as well. So this is one way to remember some of the actions of some of these points. I feel like I'm not totally a big fan of this mnemonic. Um, it's like I feel like there are too many letters and it doesn't encompass all of the actions of some of these points. So like we don't say anything about rebellious chi. We don't say things about treating the upper end of the channel. But it's kind of one way to remember some of the functions of these points. I would just remember that this isn't quite all-inclusive, that we might have to go a little bit further into recognizing the functions of these points. So another thing that happens in Chinese medicine, usually whenever we have five of something, we also have the five elements or the five phases. So we have five of something, five phases, and we put them together. And we call that a five-phase correspondence. So in this case, each of the five shoe transport points corresponds to one of the five phases. And so that's called our five-phase correspondences. The thing that makes this difficult, though, is it turns out that the five-phase correspondences are different on the yin channels versus the yang channels. So on the yin channels, like the lung, the jingwell point corresponds to the wood phase. But on the yang channels, like the large intestine, the jingwell point corresponds to metal. And so this is something we're going to have to pay attention to, is it's actually different depending on whether we're on yin or yang channels. So let's start by just looking at the yin channels. It goes wood, fire, earth, metal, water. So first of all, if you're good with your five phases, you might notice that this is going along according to the sheng cycle, or the generation cycle. So if you remember your little circle, we say that Wood generates fire, fire generates earth, earth generates metal, metal generates water, and water back to wood. When you water the ground, the tree can grow. So water generates wood. So we're going in the order of the Sheng cycle. And what we want to remember here is that we're starting with wood. So why do we start with wood? Well, it's like this. Wood the wood phase is associated with the eastern regions and with spring. And so wood represents beginnings. So the east is the direction of the rising sun. It's when the day begins. It's when light is growing in the sky. So wood represents beginnings. In terms of the four seasons, wood corresponds to spring. Spring is the season when all the animals come to life, the flowers start blooming, the trees start growing. And so in spring, 
everything comes to life. So spring is about beginnings. The wood phase is about beginnings. So we do the same thing here when we talk about the five shoe points. Jingwell points are the beginnings, and so that's why they correspond to the wood phase. Now when we get back down to the he si points, he si points correspond to water. Now water is associated with winter. That's the time when things end, things die, the plants die, the insects die, the bears go into hibernation. And so just like we say the chi disappears, it dives deeper, it's the same thing. The bears are going deeper into their cave to hibernate. And so water represents uh, endings uh, or going deeper, and so that's why we start with wood and we end with water. And so that's how it goes along the yin channels. So here we have uh, chapter 63 of the Nanjing. And this is just something that uh, sometimes when I mention things, I like to have passages from the classics because not everybody gets classes in the classics. You don't necessarily take a Nanjing class. So sometimes when these things come up, I like to mention them within our fundamentals lecture. So this is basically what I just said. And when it says, uh, in the sequence of points, uh, it always starts with a well or with wood. Why is that? And it says, well, it is like this. The wells are associated with the eastern region and springs. That's the season when things come to life, when the chi insects start to move, when the jue insects start to breathe, when the juan insects start to fly, when the ruan insects start to wriggle. All things that must come to life will come to life in the spring. So uh, the spring, the phase of wood is about beginnings. And so the beginnings... In terms of the development of the channels, we begin with the wood phase, and then it eventually goes up, and it ends with water. And I think that's that might be in chapter 65. It talks about it ends with water. When, things, when it's winter, things die. Things dive deeper and go into hibernation. So we start with wood, end with water. So that was on the yin channels, though. On the yang channels, it's actually a little bit different. Um... In the yang channels, we're still going along the sheng cycle. Metal generates water, generates wood, generates fire, generates earth. So we're still proceeding along the sheng cycle. It's just now that we're starting with metal. And so why is that? Well, it turns out that comes up in chapter 64 of the Nanjing. And the, this explanation is a little bit weird, but it basically says... Uh, why is it that the five-phase correspondences on yin channels and yang channels are different? It says it is like this. This is a case where hardness and softness are matched with each other. And then it goes into another explanation about the, the ten stems, the heavenly stems and branches, which I don't know a whole lot about. You may not have studied that. But we can basically say that there's this pairing of hardness and softness. So metal is more hard, where wood is a little bit softer. Uh, water is more substantial, where fire is a little bit more ethereal. Um, wood is kind of more solid and it can dig through the earth, things like that. So there's always this pairing of hardness and softness. We have to pair yin and yang like husband and wife. So there's always this pairing that it has to be different. That's maybe not a very good explanation, but that's the one they gave in the Nanjing. But something else we can point out here is that when we look at the relationship between the yang channels to the yin channels, that relationship exists along the ke cycle, or the restraining or controlling cycle. So if you remember your circle with the star in the middle, you might remember that metal controls wood. Metal chops down wood. 
Water controls fire. Water puts out a fire. Wood controls earth. The roots of a tree can um, break through the earth. Fire controls metal. Fire melts metal. Earth controls water. Earth builds up a dam and stops the water from flowing. So these are all going along the ke cycle. So it's almost like the yang channels are controlling the yin channels. So maybe that's another way you can remember about how these five-phase correspondences are different. And so um, that's the way I remember it, is basically I just remember that the wood represents beginnings, so the Jing well points are wood, and they go towards water, and they just go along the Sheng cycle, and then I remember this thing about the Ke cycle. That may be kind of weird, and maybe you're not so familiar with the Sheng and the Ke cycle, and that might be hard to remember. So sometimes another way to remember it is go to the second point, go to the Ying Springs, and think about fire and water. So normally we would say water is yin, fire is yang, flip them. So if you're, if you're ever, ever having trouble remembering the five-phase correspondences, maybe on a test you have to take out a sheet of scratch paper and write them all down, Jing Lo, Ying Spring, Shu Stream. You can just go to the second one, think about water and fire are yin and yang, and then switch them. And then you can just go along the Sheng cycle to get the rest of them. That fire generates earth, earth generates metal, metal generates water, water generates wood. So um, that's maybe an easier way to remember these five-phase correspondences, is go to the second point. And again, here we're in chapter 65 of the Ninth Jing, and again we're saying where the, chi, where the qi appears is the wells, means that the wells are associated with eastern regions in the spring, that's where life begins. Um, where the qi disappears is the seas, that means that the seas are the, associated with the northern regions, ends with winter, that, that's when things die, that's when things go into hibernation, they, go, they dive deeper. And so this is just another statement about how we can explain these five-phase correspondences on the yin channels at least. So chapter 63, 64, and 65 of the Nanjing are all talking about these five-phase correspondences with the five shoe transport points. And what's interesting is basically some of these functions of the five shoe transport points seem kind of weird or they don't really go together. And the reason for that is we're actually pulling these functions from different places. It's like there's one chapter in the Neijing where it lists some functions of the five shoe points. There's another chapter where it lists some more points. There's another chapter where it talks about how to needle them according to the seasons. And then the Nanjing goes and does something completely different. So when we had those tables before, we were actually kind of combining, uh, compiling these functions from our different classical sources. And so... Um, the way the Neijing says it is like this. And this is actually how I remember the functions of these five shoe transport points. The, the, the most sane families thing doesn't really do it for me. But if I remember the five phase correspondences on the yin channels, then that's what helps me remember the functions. So the Nanjing straight up says, what kind of things can we treat with the five shoe transport points? What kind of diseases or conditions can we master through knowing how to needle these points. And it says, through the wells, one can master fullness below the heart. Through the springs, one can master body heat. Through the streams, one can master a heavy body 
and pain in the joints. Through the rivers, one can master panting and coughing, as well as alternating spells of cold and heat. Alternating spells of cold and heat means fever and chills. And through the seas, one can master chi proceeding contrary to its proper course, so rebellious chi or counterflow chi, as well as diarrhea. These are the illnesses that can be mastered through the wells, springs, streams, rivers, and seas. So this is uh, chapter 68 of the Nanjing. And to me, this actually makes more sense because if we look at the five-phase correspondences, at least on the yin channels, we can begin to make some connection between the element and the disease it treats. So if the Jing wells are associated with wood, and we say it treats fullness below the heart. When we say fullness below the heart, what's below the heart? The liver. So when we say fullness below the heart, we're kind of talking about liver chi stagnation. So the Jing wells are associated with wood. Wood is the phase of the liver, and so we're treating fullness below the heart because the liver is below the heart. Ying spring points are associated with the fire element or the fire phase. So, of course, they clear heat. You can kind of make this relationship to herbs that the fire, the fire element is associated with the bitter flavor. What do bitter herbs do? They clear heat and drain fire. So, same thing. The fire points clear heat and drain fire. Shu stream points correspond to earth on the yin channels. Remember, earth is the spleen. The spleen is about dampness. So when he said body heaviness and pain in the joints, that was dampness. So we have shoe stream, earth, earth is spleen, spleen is dampness, body heaviness and pain in the joints is our manifestations of dampness. Jing River points are associated with the metal phase. Metal means lung. And so lung, we have things like panting and coughing, fever and chills. Those are conditions of the lung. Uh, diseases that manifest as a change in the voice. That's a condition of the lung. So Jing River points are metal, and they treat lung disorders. Hsi is water. This is a little bit weird because Hsi um, is water. Water means kidney. And they treat diarrhea. I think normally in uh, kind of our more modern schools, we, we talk about uh, diarrhea. We relate it to dampness in the spleen. Spleen chi deficiency is going to cause diarrhea. And so, really, in the Nanjing, it says all diarrhea is related to the kidney. So maybe that's kind of a weird connection to make. So maybe you can think that hussy points are water, good for watery diarrhea. Sometimes they use this phrase, watery diarrhea, that the water metabolism of the kidney is not functioning properly, and so it's coming out with the stool. So hussy points, um, watery diarrhea, and then qi flowing contrary to its proper course. Again, that's kind of weird. I kind of think of the Chong Mai, but don't, don't worry about that too much. So, Hussi points water, diarrhea, or counterflow chi. So, to me, this is maybe a little bit easier way to remember it. it may, maybe it's more complicated in the beginning, but after a while, it, it became more easier that I can think of the five shoe transport points, the corresponding element, and then what, how that element, what kind of diseases can be treated through that element or through that organ. And again, this is just on the, uh, we're using these correspondences of the yin channels. On the yang channels, the five-phase correspondences are different, but we can still treat the same sorts of diseases. So that's maybe another way you can remember the functions. Either way, when it comes to the five-shoe transport points, you're going to need to know what things they treat in terms of most same families, that they treat fullness below, below the heart, they treat the upper end of the channel, 
uh, they clear excess, ying spring points, clear heat. You need to know the functions of each of the five shoe transport points. You also need to know the five phase correspondences. And you need to know that they're different on yin channels versus yang channels. On the yin channels, we start with wood because wood represents beginnings. On the yang channels, we start with metal because metal chops down wood and the yang channels are controlling the yin channels. So we need to know those five-phase correspondences and those five-phase correspondences are going to come up later in life when we start talking about things like tonification and sedation points, when we talk about Harari points, when we talk about Korean four-point needle technique, you're going to need to know the five-phase correspondences. So for now, if it's you have to get out a sheet of scratch paper and write it all down, Jingwell, Yin Spring, Shu Stream, Jing River, Hsi, and then write down the five phases, you can do that. After a while, it starts to become second nature that Shu Stream points are, are um, earth on Yin channels. So that's just something you're going to have to remember from now for the rest of your life. So that was the five shoe transport points. Let's uh, let's move on to our next one. So after the five shoe transport points, we can talk about Yuan source points. So again, these are points that exist on each of the 12 channels. So each channel has a point called a Yuan source point. So there's a Yuan source point of the lung, Yuan source point of the large intestine, Yuan source point of the stomach, Yuan source point of the spleen, and so on. And so each of the 12 channels has this, and this is where the original qi, or the source qi, or the yuan qi, where it surfaces and lingers. So based on the flow of the channel, this is where the source qi is kind of coming up to the surface and lingering. And so we can needle these points where the source qi is lingering. We can needle those points to have a certain effect on the body. So on yin channels, the yuan source point is the third point or the third to last point. And again, if you're paying attention to our five shoe transport points, that's going to mean that these are going to overlap with the shoe stream points on the yin channels. So when we talk about the lung, the lung channel goes from lung 1 down to lung 11. So the third point, lung 11, 10, 9. Lung 9 is going to be a shoe stream point. So it's good for heaviness in the body and pain in the joints. But it's also going to be a yuan source point. So in this, so in this case, points can have more than one category. And so this is a case where the categories overlap. On the yin channels, yuan source points are the third point, same as the shu stream points. But again, it's different on the yang channels. On the yang channel, it's the fourth point. So the fourth point in or the fourth most distal point. So in the large intestine channel, it's going to be... Uh, we go from large intestine 1 to LI20. It's going to be LI1, 2, 3, 4. LI4 is the yuan source point because it's on a yang channel. And again, the gallbladder channel kind of screws things up. Gallbladder 22 kind of came in and threw off the pattern, but don't worry about that too much for now. We can worry about that when we actually get to the gallbladder channel. And so what's going to happen is because this is where the source chi surfaces and lingers, when we needle these points, it's going to have a certain effect. But again, the effect is going to be different whether we're on a yin channel or a yang channel. So on yin channels, the yuan source points tonify the organ. And so again, we are talking about the difference between channels and organs. Here we're talking about tonifying the organ on the yin channels. So lung nine, like we said, lung nine is yuan source point it will tonify the lung organ. So if I have lung qi deficiency, lung yin deficiency, I can use lung 9 to tonify the organ. On the spleen channel, the yuan source point is going to be spleen 3. So I can use spleen 3 to 
tonify spleen chi, things like that. It's going to go to, on the yin channels, it's going to go to the organs. But it's going to be different on the yang channels. On the yang channels, they treat excess conditions and expel pathogens. So when we get to Li, we said Li4 is a yuan source point, Li1, 2, 3, 4. Li4 doesn't really tonify the large intestine. Most people, it's like most people don't have large intestine qi deficiency. That's not a thing. So instead, we're going to use it to expel pathogens. So this is going to be a really good point for releasing the exterior. If somebody has an exterior attack of wind cold or wind heat, it's really common to needle Li4 to release the exterior and push the pathogen out. So that's what we mean when we say they treat excess conditions and expel pathogens. And so this is one, this is maybe a little bit weird because I do know that there are some teachers who just say yuan source points tonify. Um, I, th I think one, one of my five elements teacher, teachers is like yuan source points tonify, regardless of yin or yang. And so there are some people that take that point of view, but at least when we're talking about, like when you look at the functions and indications in Deadman, we don't really see that a whole lot. We see it with the yin channels, yuan source points definitely tonify. They tonify whatever is appropriate to the organ. And what I mean by that is the yuan source point of the lung channel tonifies lung qi, it tonifies lung yin. Does it tonify lung blood? No, there's really no such thing as lung blood. Whereas the yuan source point of the uh, uh, liver or the yuan source point of, um, let's say, the, the spleen, it tonifies spleen qi. Does it tonify spleen yin? We don't really have much spleen yin. So it tonifies everything that can be tonified in the organ. But when we look at the functions and indications um, on the yang channels, we don't really necessarily see, at least classically, we don't see a lot of tonification. Instead, we see these things about expelling, expelling pathogens and treating excess. Because again, it's like, what are you going to tonify in the large intestine organ? You don't really tonify large intestine qi. You don't tonify large intestine blood. That's not really a thing. But you can clear excess. That is a thing. Uh, same thing when we get to the stomach channel. It's going to be like clearing stomach heat, uh, expelling excess, not necessarily tonifying stomach yin or something like that. So it tends to be more about um, excess and expelling pathogens. So those are the yuan source points. And again, sometimes when we uh, talk about certain topics, I like to bring in the Nanjing just because so you have some classical reference of where this information is actually coming from. Uh, so here it's talking about is like this, the qi is moving below the navel in between the kidneys is the, the original qi or the yuan qi or the source qi. And it's the sanjiao channel that transports the source qi around the body. And um, here saying that the, the yuan source points are the place where it comes to the surface and lingers. And so we say that when the organs have disease, we can always needle the respective yuan source point. And it doesn't say this, but I, I think it, at least in Deadman, we say very specifically that on the yin channels, it tonifies the organ. On the yang channels, it treats excess. And you can maybe think about this as that's the nature of the yin and yang organs. The yin organs are solid, and so they, they suffer from deficiency, whereas the yang organs are hollow. Things are meant to pass through them, so they're more likely to suffer from excess. And so maybe that's a way you can think about it, uh, treating deficiency versus excess. So that's where it comes from in the Nanjing. And so here's the list of the Yuan source points. Again, it, this is going to be either the third point on the channel or the third to last point on the channel with the yin channels. Uh, 
And on the Yang channel, it's going to be the fourth or the fourth to last point. And our only exception is the gallbladder. Because the gallbladder, it's uh, 44, 43, 42, 41, 40. It's the fifth point. Um, so the gallbladder channel is a little bit weird. Gallbladder 42 kind of screws things up in our pattern. Um, and then so these are the, the, 12, uh, the 12 primary channels. And then Machiocha talks about the Yuan source points of the Gao and the Huang. The Gao, uh, the, the connective tissues and the fatty tissues. I don't want to get into that right now, but maybe that's something you need to know. Um, I don't know what it's like in your school. When I was in school, we kind of said that you don't actually need to know these points until we learn the points. But if you're in your first semester and you want to look ahead, these are the, the 12 Yuan source points. After that, we get into the Xi cleft points. The word Xi means cleft. So that's why I call it the Xi cleft points. We say cleft, crevice, hole, or opening. So the Xi cleft points are points where the Qi and blood gathers before going more deeply into the channel. I guess it's kind of weird. We kind of all already said that about the five shoot transport points, but this is another one we're saying that uh, chi and blood gathers and then it goes deeper into the body. So this is another point where it happens. It's a cleft, so it's like it's falling into this hole and going deeper. Thing to know about chi cleft points, chi cleft point treats acute conditions and pain. And so if, you're, if you use Deadman as your textbook, whenever you get to a chi cleft point, one of the functions is going to be moderates acute conditions. I think Machiocha might just say straight up treats acute conditions and pain, but the Deadman phrase is moderates acute conditions. So if you ever see the phrase moderates acute conditions, you know we're talking about a she cleft point. And then again, we have this difference between yin and yang channels. All she cleft points treat acute conditions and pain, but... On the yin channels, there's an additional function that on the yin channels, they're treating blood disorders. And I guess that sounds kind of weird, because if, if I just say normally blood disorders, if you're more Western-minded, you're thinking like, oh, is that like mercury poisoning, or is that like sepsis? No, when I say blood disorders, I mean the TCM conditions of uh, bleeding or blood stagnation. So one or the other, or both. And so that's what we mean when we say this. So on... The yin channels, they, they also treat acute conditions and pain, but they have an additional function of treating either blood stagnation or bleeding. And so we're going to see this where, like, on the, on the spleen channel, the she cleft point is splenate. It's really good for treating menstruation problems, so painful menses, uh, menses with a, a lot of clots, uh, dark purple blood. Those are signs of blood stagnation, and so that's where we can treat it. On the lung channel, the she cleft point is lung six, and it's going to be indicated for things like nosebleed or coughing up blood because those are bleeding conditions. Hopefully, it's usually an acute condition as well. Hopefully, you're not chronically coughing up blood. So it's a, 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 an acute condition, but it's also a bleeding condition. So she cleft points, each of the 12 channels has a she cleft points. All of the she cleft point channels treat acute conditions and pain in Deadman, that's going to say moderates acute conditions. On the yin channels, we have an additional function of treating either blood stagnation or bleeding. So those are the she cleft points. Yeah, moderates acute conditions is a phrase that Deadman uses. 
So again, here are the Sheklov points, each of the 12 channels. And again, then with these, there's no pattern to them. We just have to know where they are. They're usually somewhere between the wrist and elbow or between the ankle and knee, but we kind of just have to know where they are. There's no pattern to them. And maybe we can talk, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, about there's technically no pattern, but we can use a process of elimination sometimes to figure it out. So that, but this might be another one where when we talk about the big picture, you might just have to memorize this. And I think this is our last one, the Lul connecting points. The Lul connecting points, uh, the point where the Lul connecting channel branches off the primary channel is called the Lul connecting point. So when we went over uh, the secondary channels, uh, remember when you talk about secondary channels, we, we first talk about the primary channels, uh, that's where the points are, but then we talk about the secondary channels like the sinew channels, the divergent channels, we also talked about the Lul connecting channels. And one of the things we said is the Lul connecting channels always begin at the Lul connecting point. And so, for example, when we talked about the lung wool connecting channel, it started at lung 7 and then spreads over the thenar eminence. That's the pathway of the channel. But it started at a point on the primary channel, lung 7, which is the wool connecting point. That might have been really confusing, but we have wool connecting, connecting channels and we have wool connecting points. Wool connecting channels always begin at the wool connecting points. So what do these wool connecting points do? Well, when we call them Lul connecting points, we're implying they're connecting. What are they connecting? They're connecting yin and yang paired channels. That's again something we said about the Lul connecting channels. They connect yin and yang paired channels or interiorly exteriorly related channels. So lung and large intestine, spleen and stomach, heart and SI, kidney and UB, they're connecting these channels. So that means when we needle the points, the low connecting points, because there's this connection to the yin-yang pair, we can treat disorders of the yin-yang pair. And so if we needle the um, LI6, the low connecting point of the large intestine, we can treat disorders of the lung. When we needle stomach 40, the low connecting point of the stomach, we can treat disorders of the spleen, like dampness and phlegm. Things like that. When we, when we needle UB57, the low connecting point of the UB, we can treat disorders of the kidney. And so that's something we'll see in our point functions when we start uh, studying the points. They also treat disorders uh, in the regions reached by the Lul connecting channels. So again, like we said up here, we have something called Lul connecting channels. They begin at the Lul connecting point. So with a, with a lung channel, we start at lung 7. The, channel goes, the Lul connecting channel goes up and spreads over the thenar eminence. That means when we need a lung 7, we can treat pain in the thenar eminence because that's where the Lul connecting channel goes. With the liver, the Lul connecting point of the liver is liver 5. The liver Lul connecting channel goes up the leg and goes around the external genitalia. So liver 5 is a Lul connecting point. We can treat things like itchy vagina or itchy scrotum depending on the patient. But that's because that's the pathway of the Lul connecting channel. So when we start going over our points, or when we start going over our channels, each individual channel, lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, we're going to talk about the pathway of the primary channel, but we're also going to talk about the pathway of the Lul connecting channel and the other secondary channels. And so that's something we'll learn when we talk about our channel theory. 
And that's going to help you understand the functions of these wall connecting points that they treat disorders along those channels. So that's something we'll be want to, we'll want to be paying attention to. And then we can also say they treat certain mental, emotional, or psycho-emotional disorders. And this is just um, a thing that we'll see pop up that um, when we start looking at the functions, we'll see they treat certain Shen problems, Shen disturbance, mania, depression. Um, traditionally, the, the traditional language is kind of funny. We talk about things like mad laughter, ascending to high places and singing, pulling at invisible strings. Those are all kind of uh, mental disturbances, mental emotional disorders. But it can also treat things like sadness, melancholy, crying, things like that. Um, so we'll see that kind of pop up pretty often when we talk about dual connecting points. And so that's another thing when we start going over the point functions, that'll be something to look for. When you look at lung seven, does it treat certain mental emotional problems? When you look at LI six, does it treat certain psychological disorders? So those are the functions of the dual connecting points. So again, each of the um, 12 primary channels has a dual connecting point. But if you remember when we talked about, when we were in the channel theory video, we talked about there are 12 primary channels and 15 Lowell connecting channels or 15 network vessels means low connecting channels. So here, these are the 15. We have one for each of the primary channels. We also have one for the Ren and the Dew. And then there's an extra one called the Great Wool of the Spleen. And I think that's something we'll get to when we talk about either the secondary channels or we get into the actual uh, channels themselves. So there are actually 15 Lowell connecting points, one for each of the 12 plus extras for the Ren, Do, and Great Wool of the Spleen. And again, there's really no pattern to these. It's not like they're the fourth or fifth point or anything like that. It's just they're usually located somewhere between the wrist and the elbow. And um, But it's kind of like we just have to memorize them. So, but I guess maybe something we can say in regards to that is how do we, some of these points... Uh, it's hard to remember which category they belong to. Something that we could say is, remember we said that Yuan source points on the yin channels, they overlap with shoe stream points. So Yuan source points and shoe stream points overlap on the yin channels. Other than that, none of the categories we talked about today, they do not overlap. So what, what that means is, a Jing River point is never going to be a Lowell connecting point. A Lowell connecting point is never going to be a Xi cleft point. A Xi cleft point is never going to be a He Xi point. So sometimes that can maybe help us that we can use a process of elimination where it's like, if I know that Lung 8 is the Jing River point, then I know it's not the Lowell connecting point. It's not the Xi cleft point. I need to look somewhere else in this area. So they're usually between the wrist and the elbow. I think the exception might be stomach 34, but they're usually between the wrist and the elbow. And these categories generally don't overlap. So if you're like on a test and you're getting really stuck, maybe you can like try to use a process of elimination where it's like, hmm, don't remember the lung channel. I don't remember which one's the she cleft point, but I know it's somewhere between the wrist and elbow. So it's somewhere between uh, lung five and lung nine. No, it's not lung nine because that's a source point. No, it's not lung eight because that's the um, Jing River point. I know it's not lung seven because that's the little connecting point. Well, the only one that's left is lung six. That's the Xi cleft point. So maybe you can use a process of elimination there. Maybe that's, I just made that more complicated. But um, again, with the 
with the yuan source points, there's a pattern. It's either the third or fourth point, depending on whether it's on a yin or yang channel. With the little connecting points and the she cleft points, there's really no pattern. So you kind of just have to memorize it. So once we get, uh, once we know the little connecting points and the yuan source points, we can talk about something called the host and guest method. So this is something that's discussed in the beginning of Deadman in the introductory chapter. So a lot of times in classes we talk about this. I'm not sure how often people use it in clinic, but just since we're talking about these categories, it's kind of an interesting thing to mention. And so the idea with the host and guest method is basically this is a, a point combination technique that was described in the Great Compendium of Acupuncture, which is a cool sounding name for a book. And it's basically we're combining Yuan source points with Luo connecting points of the paired channel. So let's say you have a disease of the channel. We can say the Yuan source point on the affected channel is connected with the Luo connecting point of the yin-yang pair. For example, let's say you have lung deficiency. Oh, that's a disorder of the lung. If I have lung deficiency, oh, it makes sense. I'm going to kneel the yuan source point, lung nine, because, you know, like we said, yuan source points tonify the organ. So we're going to use the yuan source point of the lung channel. Makes sense. Well, for the guest host method, we can combine it. We can kind of amp it up. We can kick it up a notch by using the dual connecting point on the yin-yang pair, so Li6. So this would be a point com combination we could use for the lung. We use the yuan source point on the affected channel, lung nine, and we use the dual connecting point on the yin-yang pair, Li6. Uh, the yuan source point is the host and the dual connecting point is guest. That's why they call it guest and host method. And um, and so sometimes this comes up and you see, oh, we're, we're trying to expel a pathogen. Well, we can use Li4 because it's the yuan source point on the large intestine channel. Yuan source points on yang channels are good for expelling pathogens. Let's kick it up a notch by adding in the little connecting point of the yin-yang pair, add in lung 7. And so that's, that point combination becomes more powerful. We've kind of amped up the action of the yuan source point. So that's a way of thinking about it. And then we do this sometimes with like spleen 3, stomach 40. Uh, I like to use UB57 kidney 3 as a guest host thing. That kidney 3 is the yuan source point, so it's tonifying the kidney. If we want to kick it up a notch, we can add in UB57 as the little connecting point of the yin-yang pair. So that's the host and guest method. I'm not sure in modern practice how often this comes up, but it's usually something we talk about because it's in the introduction to Deadman. So we talk about it there. And finally, we can talk about something called lower he C points. This is something I was kind of avoiding. Sometimes I don't really talk about it here because it might just get confusing with the other things. Sometimes I wait to talk about it until we get into the actual points. But we can just talk about it now, just so you know what it is, the lower he C points. If this is really, really confusing, just forget everything I said. And then when we start talking about like the LI channel and the stomach channel, we'll, we talk about it again and it'll make more sense there. But basically, lower he C points, the concept goes like this. If you remember when he talked about the five shoe transport points, we said the he C points, the points on the elbow, these are the points where the channel is very wide and very deep. So we can needle them deeply. They treat diseases deeper in the body. The he C points, this is where the chi disappears, where the bears go into hibernate. They're disappearing by diving deeper in the body. The he C points on the yang channels treat 
the foo organs. So the he points on the yang channels treat the yang organs. That's something we said 50 slides ago when we talked about he points. It turns out there's an exception to this. This is not always true. The exception to this is the three yang channels on the arm. The three yang channels on the arm are the large intestine channel, the sanjiao channel, and the small intestine channel. So for the three yang channels on the arm, there's an exception here. There's a problem. The problem is, like with the large intestine channel, the large intestine he si point is in the upper body, the large intestine organ is in the lower body or in the lower jiao. So basically, so we have a he si point up here, the large intestine organ that's supposed to affect is in the lower jiao. Turns out it's just too far away. There's just too much distance. It can't reach the organ. And so what we do in the cases of the three yang channels on the arm, when it comes to the he si points, we have to designate an additional point not on the channel that does treat the yang organ. That might have been really confusing. Maybe, maybe this, this will make more sense. LI11 is the he si point of the yang ming large intestine channel. Normally, we would say that he si points treat the organ. So normally, we should say LI11 treats the large intestine organ. It should, it should treat constipation because it's a he si point and he si points treat the organs. Turns out LI11 does not treat constipation. If we, if we look in our, in our Deadman and in our Machiocha, LI11 does not treat constipation. It, it's just the point is too far away to have an effect on the organ. So instead we have a different point on the leg, stomach 37. Stomach 37 is the lower he si point of the large intestine, and stomach 37 does treat the organ. So stomach 37 does treat constipation because it's the lower he si point of the large intestine. And so this is something that really just applies to the yang channel. So the, the large intestine, small intestine, and sanjiao all have an additional point on the leg called the lower he si point. When it comes to the stomach channel, the UB channel, and the gallbladder channel, those only have one he si point. It's already, it's already lower. It's already on the lower body. And those are able to treat the organs. It's just the, the yang channels on the arm. We had to come up with a different point that, does, that performs that function. Um, so I guess this is what we said. Normally we say the he si points on the yang channels treat the yang organs. The exception to this is the three yang channels on the arm. Um, the channel is, traverses the upper body. The channel traverses the upper limb, but the organ is in the lower jowl. And because of this, the he si points on the elbow just can't reach the organ. They're just too far away. LI11 can't reach the large intestine organ. The he si point of the small intestine channel can't treat the, the small intestine organ. So what we do is we designate an additional point not on the channel that can affect the organ. And we call that the lower he si point. And so basically we have these three, the large intestine, the lower he si point of the large intestine is stomach 37. So if we want to treat constipation or disorders of the large intestine organ, we're probably not going to use LI11, we're going to use stomach 37. If we wanted to treat the small intestine organ, which I'll be honest, doesn't happen a whole lot, but if you have if you have testicular pain due to small intestine chi tide, or you have borborygmus and lower abdominal pain due to uh, cold in the small intestine organ, 
then we would go to stomach 39. If you have heart heat pouring into the small intestine, we can go to stomach 39 because it's the lower C point of the small intestine. And then same thing with Sanjiao, uh, is UB39. So these are all points on the lower leg below the knee. Those are called the lower C points. So those were the points that exist on every channel. When you talk about the five shoe points, each of the 12 channels has a five shoe points. When you talk about Yuan source points, low connecting points, Xi cleft points, each of those points, each of the 12 channels has a Yuan source point, a Xi cleft point, and a low connecting point. So sometimes people refer to those as the antique points, just because they're the old points that are talked about in the classics, and they're the, the point categories that exist on every channel. So maybe we'll just say something else really quickly because we're, we were talking about the five shoe transport points. Remember when we talked about the five shoe transport points, what we said is the channel starts off very superficial and narrow. As it goes up, it gets wider and deeper. It gets wider and deeper until it gets to the Hsi. It's very wide and deep indeed. After that, we say the Qi disappears. It dives deep. All these rivers are coming together together to form a great ocean. And so we said that each of these points has a specific function based on how that chi is flowing. Kind of another implication of this, kind of an interesting uh, consequence of this, is we can say something that there's a difference between the points on the arm versus the points on the trunk. And so what I mean to say here is when we talk about the fingertips to the elbow, we're saying the channel is very superficial and it's very narrow and that means the channels are very distinct from one another so that the the lung channel is very separate from the large intestine channel and so the points are very different so kind of what we what we can say is when we're talking about a point about points from the elbow down or when we're talking about points on the leg from the knee down the point functions tend to be very specific and very specific to the channel it's located on what do I mean by that? When we say, when you talk about elbow to wrist or elbow to, to fingers, points on the lung channel treat lung disorders. They're very separate from points on the large intestine channel. Points on the spleen channel from the knee down treat disorders of the spleen channel, things like spleen chi deficiency, dampness, and things like that. So the points from the elbow down and the knee down are very specific to the, to the channel that they're on and the organ they connect to. However, once we get above the elbow, once we get above the knee and we start moving towards the trunk, the channels are less distinct. We said all these rivers are coming together to form a great ocean, so the channels are less distinct. And what that means is the point functions have less to do with the channel that they're on and more to do with the area of the body where they're located. And what I mean by that is when we start looking at point functions, it's like points on the face are good for the face. Points on the chest are good for the chest. Points over the middle jowl are good for the middle jowl. Points over the intestines are good for the intestine. Points in the lower jowl benefit the lower jowl. And so it's not really not about the channel. It's about where it's located. So when you get a little, when you look at like kidney 25 unbinds the chest. Spleen 16 unbinds the chest. Or sorry, stomach 16 unbinds it, spleen 18 unbinds the chest. It doesn't really matter what channel that they're on. Really what matters is these points are on the chest, so they unbind the chest. Same thing on the face. Points next to the nose are good for the nose. Whether it's the stomach point or a LI point, 
it's good for the nose. Points around the ear are good for the ear. Maybe it's a small intestine point, maybe it's a sonjaw point, maybe it's a, a stomach point. Points next to the ear are good for the ear. It doesn't really matter what channel they're on, it matters where it's located on the body. And so that's kind of a trend we're going to notice when we start looking at these point functions. And we can kind of relate that back to that concept we talked about with the five shoe transport points. That when, that when we're below the elbow or below the knee, the channels are very narrow, they're more superficial, and they're very distinct from one another. And so we can affect the flow, the chi dynamic of that channel and the corresponding organ. But once we get to the elbow, the chi disappears, the chi dives deep, the rivers come together to form this great ocean of chi, and it's less about the channel and more about where it's located on the body. So that's maybe another trend we can look at. That doesn't really necessarily have to do with point categories, but that's maybe something that can help you remember with certain point functions is once we get onto the trunk, just think about the location. Points on the chest are good for the chest. Points over the uterus are good for the uterus. Points on top of the intestines are good for the intestines. Things like that. So that's another thing we can say about point functions. So that was part one of our video about point categories. Like I said, there's a practice test on the website if you want to check that out. And then stay tuned for part two of this video where we talk about the other point categories. Things like front mu and back shoe points, the gao wu command points, ma yang heavenly star points, eight hui meeting points, and more. And once again, thank you to everyone who supports the YouTube channel and the website tcmstudy.net. These videos and educational resources are brought to you for free and ad-free thanks to the support of viewers like you. So if you'd like to support the channel and website, there are a couple ways you can do it. You can join the Patreon, and that's like giving a monthly pledge. You can do a one-time donation through Buy Me a Coffee, or on the website we have a merchandise store with t-shirts, mugs, pillows, and totes, and so that also supports the website as well. But that is all for today. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.